Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communication are these that ye have one to another as ye walk, and are sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day, this is Cleopas talking, since these things were done. Okay, so I wanted to pause there and just pan something out that is kind of a, in seminary we call an excursus, but we're playing devil here. So can I get you to bring the books out and uh, let's see, and play that with this. This is an excursus on a verse that we just, we just finished. I remember years ago, I had someone come to the church, and uh, we went over to their house, and it, I, I really, really enjoyed being with the people. They're dear people. And um, the dad in the home asked me a question, what day did Jesus die? Good Friday, Thursday, Wednesday, when did he die? Well, the Bible doesn't just come out and say that. It doesn't, it doesn't come out and say that. So you have to do some figuring if you want to figure that out. And um, what he told me, I immediately thought, that's not true. I know he didn't die then. I'd have to do some figuring. But Luke 24 comes the closest in all the Bible to nailing that down. I'm not going to nail it down for you today. I'm going to tell you what you already know. The day that Jesus rose. And if you want to figure out when he died, it's all right here. You can think through it, okay? But I want you to see something about the chronology of the resurrection just for a moment because we close our reading with Luke 24, 21. You'll see in a moment how, why that's important. So do you see how I have Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Resurrection Sunday all in a row on the left? You see that? And it looks a little different because there's dark on the left and there's light on the right. Now, why did I do that? The day started in the evening. The Hebrew or the Jewish calendar started in the evening and so you have this evening in the morning would be the first day so i just handed this out and um let's see so the jewish day began at number one in the evening at what time the clock so see that so genesis one that's that that should explain to you why genesis says and the evening and the morning were the So that's why I have the evening starting at, what's this, Thursday at 6. So that 
31. I just turned on my mic, sorry. It says in the end of Mark 9, 31, he shall rise the... I'm just going to keep reading the underline. And the third day he shall rise again, be raised the third day. The third day I shall be perfected. The third day he shall rise again. The third day rise again. Today is the third day to rise from the dead the third day. Did he rise from the dead on the first day? Second day? Fourth day? When did he rise from the dead? third day. Now, I want you to see something that might not be as normal for people's thinking. Number four, Cleopas states late in the day Sunday, today is the, we'll look at the bottom of the page, Luke 24, 21. But this is Cleopas talking, but we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Now go over to your left-hand column. See all the black going to white? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Resurrection Sunday. See, I have Resurrection Sunday is the third day. That's when he rose. He rose on the third day. So when did he rise? What time of the day? Well, it would have been maybe right before day broke. While it was yet dark, they're going out to the tomb. So I just put it in there basically. It would have been probably right before 6 a.m., most likely. But it was definitely Resurrection Sunday. So when do you have where we are right now in Luke 24 on the Emmaus Road? When did that happen on Resurrection Sunday? Well, it happened toward the end of the day. And when you look at Luke chapter 24, uh, it's, it's very interesting because the Bible says, verse number, remember these are two men walking on the road to Emmaus with Jesus. Look at verse 28 in your Bible. And they drew nigh unto the village where, whither they went. 
And he made as though he would have gone further, but they constrained them, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward what? What was it toward? It was getting toward six o'clock. This is the end of the day. And the day is far spent. So I just put in the notes that the Emmaus Road happened later in the day, Resurrection Sunday. And what Luke 24, 21 says is Cleopas says this. We thought he would redeem Israel. And today is the third day. So look at the timeline. Resurrection Sunday, the, the bottom on the left. You see Christ arises maybe right before six. And later in the day, you have the Emmaus Road. And at the end, it's kind of funny. Because the Emmaus Road, they're saying, hey, come in with us. Because the day's gone. It's far spent. The day's over. It's, the day's almost done. Come inside with us. Don't keep going. Well, they come inside. Jesus sits down with them. They get ready to break bread. Jesus breaks bread. And they go, oh, it's him. It's Christ. He disappears. And they say, it's not, the day's not far spent. The day's not over. There's plenty of time. Let's run all the way back to Jerusalem, seven miles, and tell the disciples, we saw Jesus. Now, that's kind of funny to me. But what's curious is, if you're, what day did Jesus rise? Well, it's no question. I've got all these verses down. He rose on the early in the, in the day, I would say, daylight, right before daylight. Later in the same day, there's the Emmaus Road. So all day from 6 p.m. at night to 6 p.m., well, how do you say it? It was late in the day Sunday, 6 p.m. was still the third day. That means late in the day Saturday was, was the, and that means late in the day Friday was the, now from there I'll let you figure it out. I'm not going anymore. I'm not taking any questions. That's up to you now. I'm not going to talk about when days, about whether uh, 24 hour periods or 48 hour periods or 72 hour periods. If you want to work through Jonah and the whale as Jonah was three days and three nights, I got it. And, and uh, there's all kinds of good thinking on that. But it says in Luke 24, today is the third day at the end of Resurrection Sunday. Wherever you see it falling, you got to deal with that. Okay? Wasn't that great? No questions, I know. It's, um, they always say, don't, don't open doors and leave them open. Always, when you open a door in preaching, shut it. I left it open, okay? All right. Here we are to the text. All right. Did that make sense? Yes. Okay. All right, so here we are. We're in Luke 24, and we've read about these two men that are walking down the road with Jesus, and let's go back and review a little bit. Now, the Bible says that, they're, that the same day, verse 13, they're... There are these two of them that went that same day, Resurrection Sunday, to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs, about seven miles. And they talked together of all these things that had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together in reason, Jesus himself drew near. And how did Jesus come? Well, he came, we've already said it, as a man. In fact, over in Mark, it says he appeared in a different form, which I take that to mean he didn't look like he'd been just crucified. So when they looked at him, they didn't see, well, the Bible says when he was crucified, he was marred more than any man. Forgive me, they didn't see a bloody mess. They saw a man. 
So when they talked to him, they didn't even think about it being Jesus. He appeared kind of like a man like they were, heading on the same road to Emmaus. And he seemed slightly out of touch, even though Jesus was never out of touch. Because when they, when they said, haven't you heard all the things that are happening? He says, what things? And Jesus, they, they tell him, they're so sad because Jesus was supposed to rise from the dead and his tomb's empty and ladies earlier this morning saw him as though he's risen and, and we're all discouraged. It's quite unusual. And these men are utterly unbelieving. Did, did they believe Jesus had risen from the dead at this point? No, they're sad. They're discouraged. And the Bible says, verse 25, Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ, that's Messiah, the anointed, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. In other words, the way it says all the prophets all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. It means Jesus didn't like pick a little verse over here and say, that's about me. And pick a little verse over here and say, that's about me. He went and said, do you see these scriptures? It's all about me. All the scriptures. All the prophets. He taught them how God had planned it from the very beginning. That he would send his son because he loves you. He would send his son to die for us. Isn't that wonderful? He cares for us. It was God's plan that a lamb should die, an innocent substitute in our place, we who are guilty. The innocent dying for the guilty. The Son of God dying for us. And he went through all the scriptures. I'm sure he talked about the tabernacle. Don't you think he talked about the lamb of God? Don't you believe he went through and covered maybe even these things about the Passover and the lamb that was slain at Passover? Maybe he even talked about Boaz and Ruth and the kinsman redeemer who came to redeem those who were oh. And the Bible says he goes through all the scriptures. And fascinating. The Bible says that they come to the place in the road where it's getting dark and they say it, it says Jesus it was as though he was going to keep on walking. And they said, no, 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 stay with us. The day is far spent. It's toward evening. Come inside with us. I told you a couple weeks ago, I really believe that was, an, it was like an invitation at the end of a service. Because he'd gone through all the scripture and talked about Jesus as their Messiah. And how the scriptures were fulfilled. And it comes down to at the end of a preaching message where a person says, I'm either going to make a decision or I'm not going to make a decision. I either take what I heard and I want to make it mine and I want to understand better and make a decision for Christ, or no, I think I'll just walk away. And when Jesus came to that place in the road, and it was like he was going to go on further, they, it's like they went forward in the invitation and said, no, don't leave. You come in with us. We want to know more. Teach us more about Messiah. We, our hearts are burning within us as we hear the scriptures. And they didn't even know it was Jesus teaching. It was just the scriptures from their sight. And so here they invite him in. And this is where I want to focus just for a few minutes today because I skipped it a few weeks ago. And the Bible says, 
Verse 28, And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us. For it's toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake it. Now, can you think of times when Jesus broke bread? I think of how he broke bread and fed thousands. I think of him breaking bread in the upper room. This is after the resurrection right now on the road to Emmaus. But didn't he break bread before he died in the upper room? Now, these men weren't there at that time because in the upper room, I believe it was probably the the, um, 11. Judas had gone out. But it's curious because the Bible says that he blessed this bread and break it and gave to them and their eyes were open. Now earlier it says their eyes were held that they couldn't see. Now their eyes were opened. So now suddenly God allows them to see who he is. And they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. Now, what would that have been like to realize all of a sudden Jesus Christ was just here? We walked with him. We talked with him. He, we ate. We almost ate with him. We almost had a meal with him. That would have been. And I guess the question in my mind is, was there something mysterious and mystical in the breaking of bread? Well, it doesn't say that. So if that's true, it's not in the Bible. Does the Bible said that it was, did they see his hands and say, oh, there's nails in his hands, it's him. Well, it doesn't say that. It just says their eyes were opened. Now, I've got to say, I think it's very interesting in the book of Acts, the breaking of bread was a daily experience. From house to house, they broke bread. It was something that was very special to the church, the early church. Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Same chapter, Acts 2, verse 46. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. Did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. It talks about eating with gladness. I heard a little boy this morning out in the lobby. Um, It was... It was one of the McGovern's grandkids and um, asked Grandma, are we going to eat at church today? I thought, that's a good question, isn't it? I have children. You know, last, last week I, we bought some ice cream brought at the church and we were trying to decide when we were going to have an ice cream fellowship. And my kids asked after that almost every night, are we going to eat ice cream after church? That's pretty important, you know. Are we going to eat ice cream after church? And I'll tell you, I miss a lot of the church fellowships we had years ago. We used to have a chili fellowship. We're going to do that this year. We used to have an ice cream fellowship, favorite pie. You remember the favorite pie fellowship, Miss Terry? Ooh, chocolate pie. I'm just making suggestions for when we have this in the future. And we had all kinds of great pies we'd bring. But we enjoy spending time together. And the early church spent time together fellowshipping and, and eating. And, and there was food involved. There was fellowshipping. It was enjoying being together. They had the Lord's Supper, but remember the Lord's Supper wasn't like we do it today because we today, when we have bread at the Lord's Supper, 
you, you don't even get half a bite. It's a little piece of wafer of bread, right? And you get this little cup that barely wets your mouth. And that's, that is a caution because in the early church, they had so much food at the Lord's Supper table. People were coming and they were eating too much. And then the poor would come and they didn't have enough and, and they got there late and they didn't have anything to eat. And there was this not, not loving each other like they should. And so the early church kind of swung and said, we're just going to remember Christ. The breaking of the bread, the breaking of the body of Christ, and the remembering of the blood of Christ in, in the cup. Just the remembering of it. And so there's been a kind of a cautionary step back that follows us to this day. But breaking of bread in the early church was from house to house, from day to day. And there was a lot of fellowship. And I sometimes wonder when I read this passage, if there wasn't this, these two men who sat down with Jesus... And he's breaking bread. And that's when it hits him. Who Jesus is. And he's gone. And there's this. This desire. For the Lord Jesus. And to spend time with the Lord Jesus. It is interesting. Because I wonder if this didn't create. Kind of a warm memory within the church. To regularly observe. Breaking of bread together. In fact, it really is no wonder that in the early church there was such a joy in breaking bread. And Jesus, when he was headed to the Lord's Supper in the upper room, he said, with desire have I desired to eat this Passover. And he spoke of the kingdom of God, even in terms of a banqueting table. He said, blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, this is amazing, that he shall, Jesus shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. But in Luke 22, a couple chapters back, he says, I say unto you, I will no more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. I'm not going to eat any more of this until the kingdom of God. Yeah, these two men, when are their eyes opened when Jesus breaks bread? And he doesn't stay around to eat, does he? And you wonder why. Well, there was a great day coming when they would have fellowship at the banquet table in the kingdom of God. And, and Jesus said, I won't eat with you until that day. The, the Passover. That's what he's talking about in that passage. But it is curious that even when he sits down at the table and disappears, it's almost an anticipation built. There's coming a day we're going to sit down with the Lord in his kingdom and eat. And what a day it's going to be. And this meal, well, almost meal, made the anticipation of it probably even greater. Now, this is... I thought about reserving that particular text for a Lord's Supper night. And just, but I want to say this, just in concluding this little section, and then we'll review one more area, and we'll head into the main service. But I want to say that God did not save us just to save us from hell. He saved us to save us from our sin and to cause us to enjoy eating with him, spending time with him, fellowshipping with him, abiding with him, walking in the way with him, 
so we could search the scriptures and the scriptures could be burning in our heart about the Lord Jesus and we could go into church and we could hear all these things that concern the Lord Jesus and we can walk out saying, my heart burns within me when I think of my Lord Jesus. I, I, I think of, we have so many in this church that are so looking forward for the Lord Jesus' return and their heart burns within them. And I've heard Brother Rambo say, when the Lord Jesus comes back, it's going to solve a lot of problems. <laughs> it is going to solve a lot of problems. You know what? And we look forward to this. But there's coming a day, if you're a child of God, that you're going to be able to sit down in the kingdom with Jesus Christ himself. Yeah. And many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham in the kingdom. Yeah. Gentiles will come. But beyond that, let's not say that's way out there. Let's say it's right now. If any man will open the door, he says, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. In the Laodicean church, they had Jesus locked outside the church. The church had Jesus locked outside the church. And he encourages them, let me come in and enjoy an abiding relationship, eating with you, sitting down with you. And when I read of two men and Jesus teaching the scriptures, they'd had a spiritual meal like who else had? And then they sat down with Jesus, and he breaks bread, and the Bible says their eyes were released. They were opened, and they saw Jesus for who he was. These were troubled men, because the Messiah they'd looked to had died. These were troubled men, because they thought he was the one that would redeem Israel. These were deeply sad men, because all their hopes and dreams were shattered. And then they realized... He's alive. We, we walked with him. And when I read that, I think, you know what we have for Brian? We have this reminder that we can walk with him. We can walk in the light of his word. And we can be close to him now. And that's exactly what he wants. He wants us so much to look forward to the day of his coming and us sitting down with him in the kingdom that we don't wait for it. And we sit down with him in the morning and we sup with him. We open the scriptures and we hear from God. We get up and say, didn't my heart burn when I read in the word of God this morning? This isn't about heartburn. It's not, it's not Rolox or whatever you call it. Um, what do you call it? Rolades? I don't know what Rolox is. Um, <laughs> well, this is about reading the scriptures, meeting with the Lord, spending time with him, and loving it. And we can do it now. Remember last week we said, that's the emphasis of this text, the scriptures. In fact, what's amazing is that Jesus did not reveal himself until after he went through all the scriptures. Moses and the prophets concerning himself. And they didn't know it was Jesus talking until they got to the house and they sat down to eat. And then he opened their eyes. And I asked the question a couple weeks ago, why is it that he hid himself from them? Why didn't he reveal himself to the disciples right away? I remember the reason was already given in Luke. If they, would hear, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. And so Jesus lays out a biblical foundation. And we see this is the whole point of the Word of God. I think there's so many things we could take home. Let me point out a couple things. This should motivate us to make the Word of God a priority. Make it the priority of our lives. It should teach us how to study the Scriptures. To study and, 
love the scriptures and get into them. These men, the scripture was perfectly fulfilled and they didn't know it. They were walking with Jesus and they didn't recognize him. And isn't that true of us too? We think Jesus Christ is far away, but he's right beside us. In fact, by the Holy Spirit, he's within us. And the nearness of God and the enjoyment of our Lord, it really comes from being immersed in the Word of God. You want to get near the Lord? Get near His Word. I was at camp one time, and one of the boys had the thought that if he carried his Bible with him, he carried Jesus with him. But that's not how it works. You don't get close to Jesus just by holding your Bible close. You have to get in the Word of God. You have to read the Word of God. Be taught by the Word of God. Nearness and enjoyment of the Lord comes from reading the Word and the Holy Spirit illuminating the Word. And isn't it fascinating that the upper room discourse is all about God's Word and the Holy Spirit. I'm going away, but you have the Word of God and the Spirit of God. What's he saying? You can still know me intimately. Father in heaven, thank you again for this brief time when we have considered that we can know you personally, we can sup with you, we can sit down in fellowship, and one day we're going to be in heaven at the banquet table, and we're going to enjoy sitting down there and enjoying time with you in the flesh. And we thank you so much that you allow us to draw near and be close and spend time with you. And I pray that you'd help us that we would. In Jesus' name, amen.